Hey, this is Alex Terranova, and this is the Dream Mason Podcast. We've been taught to behave, to fit in, to follow the rules, but Dream Masons reject conventional thought. Dream Masons are rebels. They take a chisel to the marble that is typical traditional life. They carve out brilliance and broadcast it to the world. Join me for another chapter as we unmask convention, embrace the rebels within us, and more deeply come to explore the complex and agitated edges of our existence. Now, before we get started, please don't be a rebel yet and grab your phone and hit that little button that says subscribe. Thank you. Because your dreams don't build themselves. What's up? And welcome back to the Dream Mason podcast. I am your host, Alex Terranova. So a few weeks ago, I think it was a few weeks ago. Well, by the time you're hearing this, it's going to be more than a few weeks ago. But a few weeks ago for me, um, one of my really good friends, it was her birthday because of COVID and everything. And, uh, you know, you got to make alternate plans. You can't necessarily do everything you've wanted to do. Um, and so a friend, one of her best friends created a plan for her birthday and it was going to be really intimate and small. She felt like, you know, it was going to be responsible in that way. Um, and she was like, I really want to create something special because, you know, for a lot of people in a lot of ways, it's been a hard year and you haven't been able to do a lot of things that you normally do. And things like our birthdays, um, birthdays, special occasions have really been impacted by those things even more so. And so I get this text and she's like, we're going to have a magician at, uh, at, at the house. And there's only going to be, you know, a really, really small group of us, um, and she gives me the information. And in my head, I'm like, we're going to have a magician. What are we, like fucking eight? What, is going to fucking balloon animals and stuff? What's going on here? Right? Like, I don't know. So I'm just kind of like, hey, it's not my birthday. I'm, that was just my initial thought. But like, hey, cool. You know what? This is different. This will be fun. At least we're doing something for the person, this person that we all care about. And we're going to make her birthday great, even though everything that's going on in the world. So the night comes and, you know, we get ready and we go over to our friend's house. And, um, again, really intimate. And, uh, as we're, this is, I got to just give all of it. Cause as we're driving around, we can't find a parking spot. Everybody's home, right? Nobody can go out. So there's no parking spots in a residential area. <laughs> and, uh, we keep seeing this guy sitting in his car in a mask and she's like, ah, will this guy move? Why is he sitting here? Like we're, we're getting all annoyed because he can't find a spot. Finally, we find a spot. We go inside. Um, we were in like the, the main area of the house and I turn a corner and there's this guy like tucked away in a corner, hidden with a mask on. And one of the, the hosts looks at me and she just like puts up her hand and she's like, she's like, don't say anything. And my friend is also dating someone new. So I'm like, Oh shit, is this a surprise? They like got the guy that she's dating to show up. Cause we didn't think he was going to show up. He had like a whole other, you know, this other situation going on, nothing bad, but he just couldn't make it. And I was effectively being like the dirt date for the night. And um, all of a sudden, you know, where we're, everybody's getting a cocktail and whatnot, this guy is introduced and he's a magician. And it wasn't what I expected, right? Like he's like, looks legit. He's basically in a suit, looks very professional. Um, 
And uh, we, you know, we all, every, everybody's kind of mingling and, and we come to learn that he is the magician that's going to perform. So shortly after we all gather around like a table, like we're kind of sitting in like an open, like almost like a C shape around a table. So he's on the other side and he starts his, his performance. I don't, I don't even know if that's what you call a, a I don't want to call it a magic show because then again, I feel like we're eight years old, but he starts his performance and I got to say my mind was fucking blown. Um, first of all, we're doing, he's doing tricks, you know, I don't know, like feet from us, you know, like somewhere between, you know, five and 10 feet from us. So it's right in front of us. He's having us do things like, you know, he'll put three or four coins in, in somebody's hand. They literally are holding it. He's not touching them. They, we all can see there's three or four coins. They close their hand. He never touches their hand again. When they open their hand, there's one coin or no coins or whatever. And he's doing this right in front of us. You know, it's not on a stage far away where we can't see what's going on. There's, I think there were five or six of us. Again, I, like I said, it was a small group. And we're all like, you know, we're all like watching him, watching his hands, watch, like, you're thinking like this guy can't be getting away with anything. There's too many eyes on him. And I, I want to say that all of us are like fairly intelligent people. <laughs> um, and we're all like trying to figure it out. But ultimately some of these tricks were, it just like didn't make any sense. Logically um, some, some of the stuff, right. You've seen card tricks and like, we kind of, we know sleight of hand like, we might not be able to know what he's doing, but we all kind of understand what's going on. But some of these tricks use technology. Some of them, it just, it honestly, it made no sense. And my mind was blown. And I reached out to him after and I was like, Hey, I want to have you on the podcast because I've never had a magician on here. I just want to talk to you about like how you get into this, his story, his journey, whatnot. So he's our guest today. Um, so he's a magician, he's a mentalist, he's a hypnotist. I did not get to see anyone get hypnotized. Um, and a really cool fact about him, so there's a, an event that if you're into magic, you might know, but if you're, not in, if, if you're not into magic, you don't know the magic world, it's called 4F, and it's an invite-only magic conference. So you can't just go, and if you get invited, you have to perform, and it's like with the biggest and best magicians in the world go to this thing, and he was invited to this and had to perform so that is, uh, says something about who he is and the level he's playing at. Uh, welcome to the Dream Mason podcast. I can't even say I'm nervous. I'm, I'm nervous around you. But welcome to the Dream Mason podcast, Derek Ostovani. How you doing, man? Good, Alex, man. It's great to be here, man. Thanks for, for having me. I'm super excited and loved listening to your retelling of uh, the story a couple of weeks ago. You were, you literally were incredible. I wouldn't, I have no, right. I, I didn't have to reach out to you. I would just say, go gone on my way with my life. But yeah. I, and I've seen a fair share of magic in my life, like professionals at, at, you know, on stages and whatnot. I think not only was I impressed because you were so close to us that it was like, but also the fact that you were doing things that I, you, people would pay a lot of money to go see up on a stage and you're doing it in front of us in this very like, intimate setting. Um, and, but the other thing, you know, I didn't even mention you're really funny. <laughs> like your, your humor was, it wasn't like you, you weren't telling jokes like a magician, sorry, like a, like a comedian, but you wove humor through the whole thing. And we were all laughing the whole time. You were personable. You remembered everybody's name, like moments in you were like you'd ask us by name to do stuff and I was like wait how did he even do this like I can't even remember I meet somebody and I can't remember one person's name yeah 
Yeah. Well, well, thanks, man. It's all very flattering. Um, and you know, it, it's interesting about the name thing, right? When I was in college, which, uh, incidentally was about the same time I picked up magic. Um, a friend of mine, he would say, he would, he would always, he would always refer to me as magic man. He, he, he knew my name, but it didn't, and it, it was so funny because it didn't matter if he was introducing me to a professor or his mom, he'd be like, mom, this is magic man. Uh, but <laughs> it was funny. But anyways, he used to always say, magic man, you're, you're so good at names. You're so good at names. And up until that point for him, and, you know, once he pointed it out, I never thought about it. I never realized it. Um, but after that, I became very conscious about it. And I, uh, more importantly, became very conscious about how good it makes a person feel when you refer to them by their name. Right? Now, if your mom refers to you by your name, no big deal. But if a stranger refers to you by your name, you, you think to yourself, wow, this person cares enough about me to remember my name. And that makes me feel good. Absolutely. Um, so there's almost like a naturalness to that because you didn't even realize you were, you didn't have like some special, I was going to ask you like, what's the trick to like, you know, what's the, the men, but it seems like it was just kind of a natural thing that you, that you had going for you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, a lot of people can use uh, mnemonics. So if, if you're a kind of person who uh, wants to remember names of people or really anything else, uh, mnemonics is a great way to go about that. Like personally, like you said, I think it was more of a natural thing for me. And if any listeners out there don't really understand what a mnemonic is, all it is, is being able to associate whatever you're trying to remember with something else. Right. So if, yeah. uh, you know, you got introduced to, to somebody and they had the same first name as your best friend, you're going to associate that person with your best friend. And all you have to think about, instead of thinking of hundreds of thousands of names out there, you think, well, this person's name is the same as my best friend, George. I used to write uh, people's names into my cell phone, like as soon as I could, like put it in the, the memo thing. Cause I, this is something I'm not good at. I actually am. I often feel like embarrassed because mm -hmm. I feel like I'm so not good at it that and I've tried to get better. And I, and I often feel like when I don't remember someone's name, it's like an insult, like I don't care. Mm -hmm. And it, that's not what it means, right? It's just, it happens to be like, you're strong at it, I'm not. Um, but I think it, especially as we get older in the business world, in making connections and friendships and relationships, it matters more. I wanna ask you about how one gets into magic because <laughs> you even made a joke about this when you were performing. It's like, what, you couldn't get a date? Like you were at home alone. You couldn't afford video games. Like how, because I, I don't know that anyone that doesn't like magic, but how does some, how does a young man immerse himself in the magic world so much so that it's not like, you know, you know a trick or two, but you actually become really good at it. Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. Um, and, you know, I, I think with anything, anything in life, you have to be drawn to it, right? Um, there's people who like magic, there's people who appreciate magic, and there's people who've taken the time, such as myself, to become a magician. Um, I, as a little kid, always loved magic. Anytime I saw it, thought it was the greatest thing in the world, very much I was gravitated towards it. Anytime we were out and there was a magic shop and I was, I was going, but I didn't know how to truly get into magic right? You buy a kit and everything. And, um, it, I mean, kits, kits, kits can be, can be a great, uh, great way to get started. But 
you know, I, and I suppose I had a kit as a child. Um, but at the same time, it makes me think, well, those things that were in the kit didn't really appeal to me to, to go forward. Cause you know, a lot of people start doing magic when they're, you know, eight years old, 12 years old, something like that. I didn't truly start doing magic till I was 21. Um, but again, as a child, I loved it. I thought it was the greatest thing. And, uh, so when, when my first year being a magician, I, uh, worked at a magic shop. It was nearly an hour away with traffic, maybe even more. And it was once a week. And I was so happy to do that brutal drive there and back. And I didn't even get paid, but you know, that's how you know, you love something. And, you know, working in the, in a magic shop, you, you realize, wow, every little kid loves magic, but obviously there was something in me to take it to the next level. Um, and so it's interesting because like I said, I've always gravitated towards it, but I'd walk into magic shops and I'd look around a little bit and I wouldn't know what I'm looking at. And I was, I was never the kid that really wanted to like, you know, bug my parents to buy me something and, you know, spend money on something that I didn't really know what it was. Um, as I mentioned, I was 21 when I really truly got into it. And, uh, it's, it's kind of an intricate story. Like, can I, do you, do you have the time for me to tell the whole story? <laughs> if, yeah, go for it. Yeah. Tell us, tell us the story. All right. My, my wife always gets on me and she's like, Oh, your story's so long, but like, I'm is it a good, is it a good story? Dude, I, I think, I think it, it, it's a story that, 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 that explains a hundred percent that magic for me was meant to be. Go for it. Tell us the story. Awesome. So, <laughs> Okay, so I was 21, and um, uh, a, few, a few months later after I turned 21, a friend of mine turned 21, and we decided, hey, let's go to Vegas. And so this is the first time I went to Vegas, just me and my buddy, you know, no, no family with us. And I remember it pretty clearly. So I was born and raised in L.A., um, but I was living in San Diego at the time. He was still living in L.A. Um, I was working at Best Buy. Uh, it was a Friday. I remember uh, finishing up work, uh, rushing over, renting a car, uh, and then driving to LA, picking him up, and then driving uh, to Vegas. Now, you know, the, I mean, typically from San Diego, that might be a five-hour drive. You know, you make your way to LA, it's going to easily be a seven-hour drive. And I remember him saying earlier in the week, he's like, ah, you know, I'm not, I'm not feeling the best. I'm not feeling that well. And I'm like, you better not. You, 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 but you take whatever you got to take, man. We're going and we're going to have a good time. Yeah. It's like every 21 year old guy has a story like this, right? Yeah. yeah exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And he was, he was a little bit more shy and reserved. So I thought he was trying to like pull out. Right. So anyways, I pick him up, we make our way to Vegas. I remember we, we get to Vegas at about one in the morning, so one Saturday morning. It's now Saturday morning, 1am. Okay. Uh, we go to the Luxor, we're right outside the club. I'm like, and there's all these hotties like, you know, traveling in and I'm like, let's, let's do this. Let's go. And he's like, no, nah, man, I'm just, oh, I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling it. And, and, and I was like, come on, dude. And he said, he's like, we'll go tomorrow night. I promise. I was like, all right, we're going for sure. That's it. No question about it. So that was it. That was, that was the night we kind of ended up going to bed not too long after. Um, and then we ended up getting up early and, and walking around a little bit. And, uh, 
then we went into uh, one of the classic kind of uh, touristy magic shops called the Houdini's. And uh, there, of course, they do a lot of demos. And, and they did this demo where they would take a, a, a credit card or a playing card or even a coin, and they would just toss it. And it would just like levitate right, right between their hands and hold their hands. And the thing is just spinning and floating in between their hands. And you can see there's nothing there. They would catch it. They toss it from hand to hand. They even toss it around their back and catch it. Well, as you can imagine, I was, I was just completely enthralled with this. It was just like, oh my God, this is amazing. And whenever I saw magic, I never, uh, I never wanted to learn how to do it or how it works just to know, just because I was curious. I wanted to know because I wanted to be able to do that. But I, I walked away from it. I was like, ah, you know, it's a gimmick. You know, they're just trying to sell me, of course. So we walked away and we went into um, a little bit later on in the day, kept walking. And, and we went into another Houdini shop. And there it was right again. They were uh, demoing the same thing. And both me and my friend were like, man, this is amazing. Like, let's buy this. We both bought it. They take you to the back room. They teach you how it works. And they send you on your way. Well, not much long later, my friend says to me, you know what, man, um, why don't we just go home? And I was livid, right? This was probably about, I don't know, man, like one o'clock in the afternoon. Okay. He promised me we were going to go to the club. Again, we were 21 right in Vegas. Uh, we did nothing of what you would imagine a 21 year old would do in Vegas. I was, I was so upset, Alex, that I was, I didn't even, I didn't even argue on it. I didn't. I was just like, you know what? Let's go. And we got in the car. I drove him back to LA and I drove myself back to San Diego. I was back in San Diego by 7 PM Saturday night. So remember arrived 1 AM yeah. Saturday back in San Diego by 7 PM. I, I, I do have a, a Vegas story where that I can beat you where we drove, we left Hermosa beach, California at like 11 or 12 p.m. at night, like we left to go to Vegas. Uh-huh. And we got back in the car to drive back to Hermosa Beach after breakfast. <laughs> like we literally drove to Vegas for the night. For the night. Was, was that the intention? I don't know what the hell we were doing. It was me and a buddy and a bunch of girls we knew we were, were going, we were, and uh, they were like, they were going for the weekend and we couldn't go for, oh, he was a chef and he had a demo that he had to do the next day. Mm. So we went for the night and then we, we had to come back. So we drove out for the night. When we got back, I actually did a job interview in my car in the parking lot which was before I moved to New York City to run a restaurant group. I did that job interview in the car right after that trip. He went in and started making food with the head chef for a group of investors. And then they came out to the car and grabbed me and they said, you need, we need you to come and make cocktails to match these drinks. And I'm like, what do you want me? And it was like, make something up, just figure it out. And it was after like a, so we had both been in the restaurant the night before working. I had been bartending. He had been in the kitchen. And then we found out these people were going to Vegas and this, and then, yeah, that was like a chain re reaction of. <laughs> funny. That's funny. And officially you, you have beat me. You had a quicker turnaround than I did. <laughs> yeah, it's a great thing. So you got back and then what, how did this become? Like how, how was this suddenly the moment you were going to become a magician? So great question, man. Um, I came back and, um, and, and again, like 
you know, looking back on this, right, in the moment, how upset was I? But looking back, I'm like, wow, this less than 24-hour trip was 100% supposed to happen. Um, so, yeah, so I get back, man, and I'll tell you, the trick that I bought was, I think, the perfect trick for me at the time because it was something that I had to have. I had to buy. It wasn't just buying the secret. You bought the secret along with something else. And so the combination of, of needing that along with the practice that I needed, uh, again, was the best combination because it wasn't something that you could just do right out of the box. So like I, as I said earlier, I purchased one, my friend purchased one. Uh, well, he ended up giving up on it pretty quick. And whereas an I kept going at it and practicing. And again, it wasn't the easiest. And I practiced and I practiced and I practiced. Um, and I remember being so excited about it. I was, uh, I was in a speech class at the time and I ended up doing a speech on magic and presenting that trick for the class. Well, fast forward going to, to, to your uh, question, there was a magic shop that I used to go to uh, here in San Diego at Seaport Village. It's no longer there. And, uh, but I was so, I caught the bug of magic. I decided, okay, well, let me do a little bit more research. And I ended up going back into that shop for a couple specific things. But literally this time going back in that shop, it was like walking through those doors and your life changing. You know, it, you know, sometimes I think a lot of people's lives change over the course and that makes sense. But for me, it was just this defining moment of walking in that magic shop again and it being a whole new world for me um, and purchasing a couple things, you know, continuing to learn and just being so passionate about it that that's all I did uh, every day, all day, as much as I could. And again, I was so, this was, I was on a, a, a path to be a structural engineer. You know, I was in college and, uh, I was so passionate about it this early on that I knew. And I said to myself, I'm going to continue this goal of, of being a structural engineer, graduate, get my college degree, work in the field. But eventually I want to wean it off and I want to do magic for a living. And then, I th so we all are kind of familiar with magic. We're all probably familiar with what hypnotism is. What's mm -hmm. it, what does it mean when you, we say you're a mentalist? It's another good question. So um, when I tell people I'm a mentalist, it's, it's in the realm of uh, either reading people's minds, reading their thoughts, uh, or maybe implementing a thought inside them, or perhaps trying trying to influence them using psychology and uh different um different ways to try and get them to think about a way that i'd like them to think you did a you did a trick and again you'll say whatever you're gonna say i'm gonna ask you anyway but like you did this thing where we all had dice we, we were like flipping dice and we would see what it was and you would essentially tell us what number we were looking at without yeah. us right? Without us um, showing you, you couldn't have seen it. We, everyone did it like it wasn't, and you didn't get any of them wrong. So it wasn't like you couldn't have, you couldn't have been cheating. I mean, like it just wasn't, I, and I don't even think of it that way. Sure. And um, some people you got really fast. It was like, you just said the number, you looked at them, you like said the number and we're spot on. And then some, like with me and one or one or two with other people, you went through, you were like said a bunch of numbers and then you went back and forth and then you got it. Like you were like looking at me in my eyes, reading my face. And 
my impulse was like, that's what you were doing. Uh, that wasn't a magic trick. That was, that was mentalist stuff. Like you were actually just reading my body language and the way I reacted to the numbers that you set. My, Yeah, no, exactly. You hit the nail on the head. Um, you know, a lot, a lot with magic has to do with, uh, understanding people, understanding how they work, understanding how they think, understanding their tales, uh, understanding what uh, a woman might say versus what a man might say. Um, and it's hard to know that right off the bat. Like there's yeah. definitely, you know, I come with years of experience. So there's definitely uh, generalities that I've been able to pick up on. Um, but when I, I approach somebody and I ask them, to roll the dice and then I might go through those numbers and say one, two, three, four, five, six, and see where, where in that number you, you change, where you blink, where you smirk or something. And then I get to know you a lot better after that. It was, I mean, it was very, cause, and it's tough, right? Not like as a, um, the people sitting there, right. We're not trained. I'm not trained to like, you know, I bet, I bet, I wonder what it would be like if you were, if you were doing this with like a table full of like, I don't know, some highly trained CIA officers who are like trained to withstand torture and not, you know, beat like lie detectors and things like that. Like I'm sure, right. We're all human. So there, there are always some way that you can break us or see something. Right. But with the average person, right. Most of us aren't, you know, when we're, when we're trying to not give a tell, right. Poker players do this. Like people give away stuff all the time. Sure. So yeah, I've never, I've never dealt with a professional person who, you know, is trained to professionally keep a straight face or uh, to be a professional liar. But, you know, most people kind of just take it in the moment, but there are people that are like, okay, I'm going to try and have the best poker face possible and see if you can still get, get it. Yeah. I mean, I tried, I wasn't like messing around. It took me like, I remember I laughed at first cause it's like when somebody's like, don't laugh, you laugh. And then, but then I feel like I got focused, Yeah, but you still were able to do it. I mean, it was like, and then I was like, fuck man, I didn't even, I didn't, I didn't think I blinked or anything. I was like, this guy's looking into my soul. Um, how does, how has learning skills like the, tr the, the skills of magic, the tricks, having to practice something for clearly so long to get so good at it. How has that impacted the rest of your life? Oh man. Yeah, that's a good question. You know, um, you know, I, I was, when I picked this up, I was in college, as I mentioned. Um, and I don't know, you know, you go to college and, and you don't necessarily at the beginning know a lot of people. Um, Cause I didn't, I didn't go to college here, right? I didn't go to college in San Diego where I have all my friends. Uh, I went um, to San Luis Obispo, went to Cal Poly. So, you know, I didn't really know anybody there. Um, and so I kind of, other than, than studying, uh, this was really uh, a lot of what I was able to put my time towards. Uh, I ended up dating somebody which knew how serious it, it was. And this was, this was like brand new for me, man. So I was like, I was just stoked. I was just stoked on it. Always wanted to, to work on it. Um, but, you know, going forward in kind of living a more adult professional life, I know there's been, you know, maybe namely my wife was like, you know, hey, like maybe we go on a date and like, you don't bring out the cards, <laughs> you know? And for me, it's just, it's not necessarily like we're on a date and I'm practicing, but for me, it's like, just so much fun. It's just something, it's a deck of cards. 
keep in your pockets really easy, you know, and whenever I want, I can, I can play shuffle, do whatever I want. And it's, it's just a, a, a knacky um, thing for me, you know? And it's, I mean, it kind of feels like there's a part of it. It's like who you are. You it, are a magician. It's not it's just a job. hundred percent who I am. And, you know, uh, I, uh, when I, when I, um, proposed to my wife, I did it with magic and, you know, I, I, I know that, you know, a wedding's important and it's like mainly about the woman and everything. And I wasn't going to make the wedding about magic, but I thought, you know, I'm going to propose. And if I'm going to propose, this is me asking a question. And so I'm going to do it how I want to do it, you know, because that's important to me. And like you said, it's who I am. It's hundred percent who I am. So it was like, if the engagement didn't work out, you could make that ring fucking disappear. That was part of like, <laughs> Get my money back rings gone you know no troubles <laughs> oh i wish i had known you a few years ago when i got engaged and really? that ring that ring didn't that ring let's just say that ring vanished from me it never it never reappeared i didn't know how to do that trick <laughs> um uh what did i want to ask you um how did it go how does it go when you have to tell your parents, your family, your friends, whoever it is, I'm not going to be an engineer, right? That's what you said. You're right, right? You were going to school to be an engineer. Right, correct. I'm not going to be an engineer. I'm going to be a magician. How does that conversation go? <laughs> um, that conversation with my friends went great. <laughs> sure. <laughs> totally love, they love what I do. They love the magic. Uh, with my mom, it, you know, not not as bad as one might think. Um, (laughs) but, uh, obviously I think she wanted, you know, something, you know, different for me. And in my defense, it's not like I graduated and was like, all right, let's, you know, let's get, let's get to card tricks. You know, I did my due diligence. I, I worked in the field. I worked a number of jobs and even though she knew how much I loved it, uh, cause actually, to be honest with you, after I graduated, I told her I wanted to travel with it. I wanted to do street magic, wanted to go around. Um, but we're a, a pretty tight knit family. And so that was tough for my mom and, you know, being, a, being, a her son, you know, my, my dad's not around. Um, I, I thought, you know, I feel like I didn't want to leave her for something that I didn't know, you know, necessarily had stability. And so I, I stuck around and um, kind of just did magic on the side, worked some other jobs on the side, and then, and then it went full-time engineering where I continue to do the magic. And, you know, Alex, I got to tell you, man, like looking at my colleagues as an engineer, I never saw them as excited as I was coming off a gig. Yeah, yeah, totally. You know, and so after doing it a number of years and not having any, any regrets, I think it was easier for my mom to say, well, Hey, this is his life. Like he's, he's experienced, you know, lit working in the corporate world. This is what makes him happy. And if this is what he chooses, then, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to support him. That's awesome that you have a mom that is supportive. I have, I have parents that are also like that. Um, mm-hmm. They worry, right. They have concerns and whatnot, but they also believe in me and, Totally. And they, um, and they're supportive as you know, if I'm not doing something that's going to hurt other people, right. They're going to be pretty supportive about it. Um, 
when you went from when you uh, I'm just going to call it like when you went pro and you decided I'm all in I'm going I'm going to be a full-time magician this is how I'm going to pay my bills what are the fears that that came up for you and how did you I don't want to say just how did you but how do you probably continue cuz you're not I, I don't I don't I don't mean this to sound bad it's like you're not famous you're not you don't have a recurring you know uh, stage in Vegas so I know that you're still like, you're still generating, you're still building, you're still becoming the magician you ultimately want to be. So how do you deal with the fears and the, the, the thoughts in your mind that maybe tell you, you know, maybe this isn't the best, for, you know, tell me about that experience. Hey man, another good question. So, um, so when I was an engineer, uh, I, I moved around a little bit because I found that San Diego was a really tough city. Um, you know, everybody wants to be here, right? Everybody loves beautiful, beautiful San Diego. So all the, the jobs I was applying for were like, hey, we need you to hit the ground running. And I'm like, well, shit, like I don't have any experience. Like help me out here a little bit, you know? And so I decided I'm going to have to leave San Diego to get some experience. And I did. I moved up to San Francisco, uh, moved up to Sacramento, and then eventually to Arizona. Um, and uh, while I was up in San Francisco, I, that's when I met my, my now wife. We met in, in Vegas, actually. Um, and she ended up following me back to uh, Arizona. And incidentally, her parents moved to San Diego. And so after a number of years in Arizona, I felt, hey, I have enough experience. Let's go back to San Diego. Your parents are there. My mom's there. You know, I'm, I'm essentially from there. And I found a company that I was just miserable at, man. I was super miserable and I stuck it out for a little bit. And I thought to myself, you know, I can, I can leave this company. I can go find another company and maybe I'm miserable there. And maybe I find another company, maybe I'm miserable there. Well, you know, I, I thought, why don't I just do what I know I love? And it's been on my mind for, for a while at that point that I wanted to do this full time. Now my then girlfriend, you know, it was, it was a serious thing, right? And I'm sure as you know, any woman wants to feel uh, secure and stable. And so it was, that made it harder, right? If I was single, it would made it much easier to uh, jump into this full-time um, position as a, as a magician. But I wanted her to, to feel secure. And when she saw how unhappy I was, I think, I mean, she was, she was getting closer to the idea, you know, cause she knew how much I loved it. But when she saw how unhappy I was, and I said, you know what, screw this. This is what I want to do. I think, you know, I think she, she totally supported me and that was important. She obviously, she loves me and, you know, knows that I'm going to do whatever it takes to make sure we're okay. Um, so, yes. so that's, that's when I made that, that jump, man. And sure it was, it was scary, but at the same time, Alex, you know, it wasn't something like, again, I didn't just jump out of college and be like, boom, okay, I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do full-time magic. Like I had been doing magic for over a dozen years at this point. Right. So I had, go ahead. No, do, well, I'm, I'm, do, you, do you have a, like a moment where I, I've talked about on this podcast or at other times where like the, the time where I had like half my practice as a coach, just like up and leave. And all of a sudden I was like, Oh, that's it. I've failed. I'm, I'm going to have to go back into the hospitality business or something. Do you have a, do you have like a scary kind of failure moment? I think when people are building businesses and launching themselves, especially chasing passions, right? You write that book, you're all excited. And then you get rejected 500 times by publishers before somebody says yes. Do you have something like that? 
Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, because I am a business like anything else in this world. Um, and uh, so, you know, uh, as as the years went on, I my you know, I, I got better and better and better, uh, more and more business, more and more clients. And so there, there wasn't there wasn't this onset of a fear because I was like, okay, I'm, I'm doing okay. Maybe, maybe this month I didn't do the best, but next month I made up for it. Right. Um, but then that moment hit when the pandemic started because now my world was taken out from under me. Right. I thrive on social situations with large gatherings of people. Um, and all of a sudden it no longer became about, well, I'm not a good magician or I'm not a good businessman and I'm doing something wrong. Now it was out of my hands. And, um, so yeah, I mean, that was kind of that, that moment for me. And I admittedly, I didn't freak out at first. I thought it was going to be over in a couple of weeks. And so I didn't do anything. And after a couple of weeks went by, that's when I kind of freaked out. And I thought, well, what do I do, man? Do I, do I go back to engineering? You know, and I thought, you know, this, is, this was a big decision that I made in my life, right? So for me to just quickly give up without attempting something, uh, I thought was kind of weak, uh, you know, a, a weak, uh, it would be weak on my part. And so I thought, well, do I go get another job? I'm like, no, like this is... You know, I have I have a, a, a education in engineering. Magic is what I absolutely love. It's what I've been doing, and so let's see if we can do this virtually and make something work online. And boom! <laughs> well, so yeah, how has that worked? I love hearing the stories of people that have to pivot. So how has pivoting gone to taking this thing online? Yeah, man, it su- surprisingly went went pretty well. You know, I was. I was worried and I thought to myself, okay, like, what does this look like, right? Because what I do in person isn't necessarily what I can do on, on, online over a camera. Um, and certain things that I can do, I, have to, I still have to adapt it, right? Because now I can't have you reach inside and take a card out of the deck. Um, so I sat down and I put together a set, thought, okay, you know, this, 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 and this put this together, this would work nicely uh, as, a, as a virtual show. And of course, that's progressed over the time. It's, it's evolved, it's changed. Uh, I've adapted it per situation, per a company or whatever uh, particular event I'm, I'm doing. Uh, much, much like in real, in real life, right? But what I did for you guys, I might not do for, let's say, uh, let's say a group of 60 year olds, for example, right? Um, so I immediately put something on, on social media and I was like, boom, you know, virtual shows available now, like, let me know. And actually one of my buddies from college hit me up. He was like, Hey man, I hear you're doing these virtual shows. And I was like, yeah, he's like, sweet. Like, let's get together, uh, you know, our, a, a group of us and let's do it. And I was like, cool. And that was my, literally my first show it was like a Sunday night. And, um, it was, it, it was great, man. I definitely learned a few things from that show. But after that, things just, for some reason, just started to snowball, you know, and I got more and more shows. And uh, before I knew it, I was doing almost as, as well as I would have been doing in, in, in real life. What's the most challenging 
thing about your business? Um, definitely the, the business side of it, right? Um, because you can be a great magician and be a shitty business person and <laughs> sure. not make a living. Or the, 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 the opposite can be true. You could be a shitty magician, but a great businessman. And sure, you'll book a bunch of gigs, but you probably won't book any return gigs, you know? So uh, that, that to me is, the, is the, the challenging part about it. You know, you want to, you know, I take a lot of pride, you know, magic isn't just something I, I, I chose to do for the heck of it. Like I love it. So I take a lot of pride in, in my skill and being good at it. At the same time, it's important for me to understand the business, business aspects of things. And to be honest, being an engineer, I learned a lot about that. Like there's really no different, right? You're going to um, uh, propose to uh, an architect, which is going to put you on a team for, uh, this new stadium to get built. Yeah, well, guess what? I'm also, as a magician, putting together proposals, sending it off to my client, giving them options, you know, and maybe I'm, I'm part of a, a, a bigger scheme, you know, one of many players like you are in the construction industry. When you look at the future and you look at where you want to go in, in the world of magic, what's like the big... You know, how would, what would, if you, if you and I were to cross paths down the road and you were like, dude, I made it, I did blank. What's that thing that would have you go, you know, I, I, I made it. Yeah, man. Um, you know, I think right now I'm enjoying kind of traveling. Well, you know, before the pandemic, obviously uh, I was enjoying traveling, doing corporate events, uh, different trade shows, you know, that was trade shows, especially kept me on my game because, uh, with trade shows, I would have to adapt a company's, you know, product or logo or core values to the magic or to the pattern that, that I, that I would, you know, speak. Um, so right now that's what I'm, I'm enjoying. I'm hopeful. I'm hoping that, that we're going to get back to that. But I think, I think ultimately, man, in the end, I think I'd like to have like a residency somewhere. Right. Like, like maybe somewhere in a hotel, you know, I play weekly, you know, you can buy a ticket any Friday, Saturday night. Um, maybe more, who knows, to come and see Derek Ostavani live. I'm going to ask you something that I don't know that you're going to know the answer to off the back, but I ask people this all the time. Like, what are you going to have to overcome personally to get yourself there? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> that is a good question that I don't necessarily have the answer to. Um, but thinking on the spot, I think it's going to be a lot like anything else I've, I've endured as far as I'm going to have to, there's going to be a learning curve, right? So I'm going to have to, whatever venue I decide, I'm going to have to rent that place out and there's going to be a lot of upfront costs with it. And as long as I, you know, make enough money to meet those up, uh, you know, those upfront costs, I've, I've, I've made it like I haven't lost. And then now at that point, you just obviously want to build. And so it's going to take me to actually do it, to learn the ins and outs, you know, the, what, I, what I need to do as far as a show, what people are liking, how to advertise it, you know, how to set up this venue. There's going to be a, a lot to learn from it. I think you, you're, you, you're speaking to something that I think is probably one of the most common answers I hear when I ask that question, which is like trust and faith, like trust in yourself that you're going to rent a, a big enough place that you could fill it 
that right. you can do everything that you can do. And faith is the fact that you're not going to, you know, handcuff people and bring them in that they're, you're going to do all the things you can do. And people are, and like, there's some, there's a force that's beyond us. That's actually going to bring people in, um, whatever that is. Um, I want we're, we're this time has flown by and I know you, for people listening on audio, they're not going to be able to see this. So I don't know what, how it works if they're just listening. Um, on the video, we'll have the video at some point up, but I know you're going to do, you can show us some one or two things on video. Um, I, I have prepared a couple things for you, Alex. I, I thought we'll kind of switch cams and you can kind of see uh, more or less what you might, you know, what it might look like if you were to sit at your home and watch a virtual show. Cool. Let's do it. Awesome. Let us do this. So uh, let's, let's do this. Um, I know we're, we're short in time. Uh, Alex, you're familiar with a, uh, a Rubik's cube. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Um, now if I could solve this uh, under a minute, would that be good? I mean, it'd be pretty impressive. Sure. That'd be pretty impressive. I mean, Although, I, have, I have one I've never been able to do, so it'd be pretty impressive. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, there you go. So really, if I just solve it, you'd be impressed. I'd be, yeah, you'd make my day. <laughs> yeah. But, but I don't know if you've, you've, you know, checked things out online recently or just really in the last couple of years where recently we've been pretty popular and kids, young kids have been solving this in like five, seven seconds. Okay. No, I didn't so, know that. So yeah, so relatively speaking, it's not it's not that impressive. Um, but it, it, if I were to solve this under a minute, you'd still be pretty impressed. But I'll tell you what: what if I were to solve a, a second one? So I'd solve them both under a minute. That'd be even better. Sure. But you know what, Alex? Why, why stop there? What, what if I were to solve three under a minute? Yeah, I'd be like, this guy's really good at Rubik's cubes. I don't know if I, I, I don't know if this is a magic trick or you're just really good at Rubik's cubes. <laughs> <laughs> True, good point. Anybody could do it, right? You just gotta learn how to solve it. Um, but you know what? I actually have one more cube, so you know, why don't I try and solve all four under a minute? You'd be impressed. Yeah, I'd be impressed. Awesome. Not only am I gonna try and solve all four of these in under a minute, Alex, uh, I'm going to uh, do it with something. Very common. You have this at your home, I'm sure. It's a very common household item, um, often found in the bedroom, uh, a blindfold. Cool. All right. So here's what's going to happen, Alex. In a moment, I'm going to put this on. And as I do, I'm going to have you count out loud. One, two, three. And I will uh, attempt to solve all four in under a minute. Okay. Ready? Yep. All right. Um, just tell me to go and then start counting. Go. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, Done. 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, 35, 36, 37, 
38, 39, 40, 41, 42, 43. Stop. Okay. Uh, here we go. What, what number did you stop me on? 43. We can go. With 43, 43. Yeah. So under, under a minute, correct? Yeah. Oh, shoot. Uh, <laughs> so that's not quite uh, solved, is it? Uh, that's uh, definitely embarrassing. Um, well, I'll, I'll tell you what, Alex, this is uh, unplanned here, so I don't know how we can correct this, but I'm sure you're a little disappointed, but we did say under a minute. Yeah. You counted how many seconds? 43. <laughs> 43, exactly, my friend. So for people that are uh, listening to this, uh, Derek did not solve for Rubik's Cubes. But when he, when he put them down stacked and then pushed the one on top of another, two stacks, pushed them together, and then turned it around in the one whole side was blue. And in, I think it's yellow. Uh, it has the number 43. <laughs> since, since I knew, since I've seen you do magic, I knew you weren't going to solve the Rubik's cubes. Like I was like, he's not going to do this. Cause that, that just like, isn't magic. Right. All right. Great. Or I was like, great. He memorized the steps. This is all too easy. What's he going to do? <laughs> But I know how you were, like how it's always a surprise and this is a perfect way to end this. Um, dude, that was awesome. Very cool. Derek, thanks for being here, man. Thanks for doing a trick on camera. Um, just thanks for, you know, adding value, happiness, joy, pleasure, fun. Thanks for being somebody who chases a passion. Um, if people want to find you, book you, follow you, where do they go? Absolutely, man. Um, you know, I'm sure they'll have the, the, you know, my, the way my name is actually spelled, DerekOstavani.com. Um, you can type in Derek Ostavani, you know, Instagram, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, whatever, you'll find me. Um, or if it's easier for you, uh, MagicWithDerek.com, you can also find me. Uh, also, every Thursday, uh, you can catch me performing live at McGregor's Grill in Mission Valley. Oh, nice. Cool. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. One of my first, uh, I used to run a bar in Santa Monica, Venice beach. And, uh, I had a magician that would come in on certain nights and go table to table and like do tricks. It was like a really cool thing that we did. That was pretty unique. Oh, um, sweet. Derek, thanks for being here, man. Appreciate you so much. Um, and I, I yeah, I'm definitely gonna have to do this in person again. Thanks, man. D definitely. Alex. Thanks for having me, man. It's been a blast. Everybody listening. Um, we'll have to put up the video of this sooner than later, but definitely check out Derek and reach out to him. Thanks for being here. And that was another episode of the dream Mason podcast. Thanks for listening. Honestly, I'm just a rebel who found a cause and has a dream and I'm super grateful for your support. If you got anything from this, please help me out and share this podcast with one person today. You can find me at thedreammason.com or at inspirationalalex on Instagram. You are a dream mason because your dreams don't build themselves.